Ready? All right, go ahead and switch. Okay. Um, number one, Adams makes the point that we should not simply explain the passage to the congregation and consider that preaching. What other element is necessary for preaching? Is it A, illustration, B, association, C, response to the text, D, immobilization of the text? It's C, response to the text. So, mobilization, the reason I couldn't find it is that's just not really a word. I mean, it may be a word, but it doesn't have anything to do with, with preaching. So, um, I just threw it in there. Yeah, I just, threw in a, I just threw in a long word that had nothing to do with our, our thing. I'll do that sometimes, but I, I hope that wasn't, tri- I hope that didn't trip you up. The idea is that the, the element has, it has to be response to the text as part of the preaching. It's not just informing. There's a big idea here. In this, in this, which I'll actually show you, I, I pulled up on my, um, uh, from the book. Uh, the very end, let's get to the very end here. Sorry, one second, it's a long document. Okay, so like, this is his take. Oh man, come on. Sorry, <laughs> mad at my computer here. Um, the difference between the lecture stance and the preaching stance, I don't know if you remember this, but the, the, the difference is that the, he separates the congregation and the Bible. The lecture is separate from this, and he informs. The idea of lecturing is you inform about the Bible. So this class is actually very much a lecture class. I am informing you about how to preach if I were to teach a class through Joshua, it would be very different than preaching through Joshua. I would inform you about what I would spend uh, about what the book is saying. I would inform you about much more about the details of things that might not be um, directly related to the application of the text. So that's kind of where I'm going at with this. Number two, what is the difference between a lecturer and a preacher? A, a lecturer speaks about the Bible. The pastoral preacher speaks from the Bible about the congregation or the opposite. The pastoral preacher speaks about the Bible. The lecturer speaks from the Bible. About the congregation. It's A, yeah, it's A. A, number two is A. The lecturer speaks about the Bible while the preacher speaks from the Bible about the congregation. That's a very important point. That God uses the scripture through preaching to impact people. True or false? The lecturer engages the mind while preaching engages the whole man. True. True. Yeah. Everything all right? Yeah. All right. Circle three instead of. Two. <laughs> I didn't mean to go first. Circle three. <laughs> I didn't mean circle true. <laughs> he circled the question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is that is one way. That is one way to cheat. I'll take it. I, um, I understand these are harder questions, so I underlined. I hope you noticed that I underlined the, the relevant portion of the question so as not to be confusing. Fill in the blank. The preacher will largely speak in the what tense? Present, Present tense. While lecture primarily speaks in the. Yeah, so I gave you a bunch of tenses there. Hope nobody but put, hope nobody but blue perfect, um, Derek. Um, <laughs> what kind of outline should you prepare for preaching? A jog your memory outline, a full sentence outline, a basic use outline, or a lex- lectiographical outline? Which one of those words did I make up? Yes, lectiographical, which isn't a word. B. It is B, full sentence outline. 
full sentence outline. Why, why do a full sentence outline? What's the point of a full sentence outline? So I think in the book you said that way you could come back to it later and still kind of have an idea of it. Right. Is that kind of the idea of it? So like not just have, so if you just have like almost like a skeleton to kind of outline, you may not, like if you're preaching with your sermons and you come back to that, you may not really okay. know where you're going with certain things. This is going to really become in, come in play. You're going to really see why this is important as you read the rest of this book and you see his strategy for developing messages, which I think is, has some merit, but is a little bit crazy, to be completely honest. Um, but, yes, that's part of it. There, another reason, though, to, like, well, I don't, to like, actually preach it, not to just teach, like, lecture. It was kind of like the way that he phrased in the book, I think, was to, like, it reminded him to make sure that he's preaching right. instead of just like lecturing. The reason I prefer full sentence outlines, and, and here's the thing. When I give you an outline, it isn't always full sentence. But let me tell you, there's been a full sentence outline at some point along the way. Sometimes I will pare it back to not a full sentence because it's just un, unwieldy. It's ungangly. It's, it's, it's difficult to use in the pulpit or it's difficult for people to... It looks ugly on the page or whatever reason. So I might, you know... It, but I, behind that is a full sentence outline. And the reason is, is because you, you don't have meaning without a full sentence. Okay. So if you just say the purpose, what does that mean? The plan. What does that mean? The plan, what the plan was good. The plan was bad. The plan was of God. The plan was not of God. The plan was the thing they should have been doing. The plan was what they should not have been. Doing. Like what, what, what is that? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have any true, complete thought meaning behind it. It's very difficult. I mean, it, the thing about like this like quick word outlines is it fools you into thinking that you have an outline when really you don't have an outline. You don't have complete thoughts. And so you might get up there to preach, and this has happened to me before, where I haven't fully fleshed out an idea. And as I'm preaching an idea, which I thought I had fleshed out, I realize while I'm saying it, this doesn't make very much sense. <laughs> And the reason is, is because I took shortcuts because I like, I was like, oh, I, I can do, you know, and this usually happens with familiar passages of scripture when you're like, oh, I know what this is saying. And you're kind of like, ah, you know, something about whatever, you know, if you just put like a little and you get up there and you're talking, you're like, oh, this is easy. I mean, I've done, I, I know this passage of scripture. How hard could it be? You get up there and you're talking about it and you're like, oh my, what am I talking about? And you realize you made a terrible mistake. So full sentences, outlines communicate complete ideas. So full sentences communicate complete ideas. Therefore, I really highly recommend you use full sentences when you do your outline. Because when you do come back, because I do occasionally go back to messages I preached a long time ago, and I'll re-preach them, or I'll use them in different contexts, or um, whatever. And sometimes I've come to messages and looked at them and been like, I have no idea what that was supposed to mean. But if you have it written out, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, any questions about that? Does that make sense? Yeah. I just got tripped up over words. Did, did, which, which one did you? Basic use? Yeah. yeah. I just got a little tripped up over it. Yeah, this is a little bit harder for a quiz. Yeah, I get that. I, 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 I understand. Okay. Number six, in preaching outline, each point should be made? To the congregation. To the congregation, yeah. To, the point is, is that you are preaching, and this is huge, because it's hard for people who've never done this before to grasp, but you're speaking to people. Okay, and you're 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 preaching to the congregation, and he talks about that here. Using the Bible, you're addressing the people. 
It's about themselves from the Bible, about what God is doing, what they ought to be doing, what, you know, you're addressing people um, and how they ought to live differently. When we get into our worksheets, I have a thing called the FCF, the Fallen Condition Focus, which addresses this issue. It's, it's trying to target why did God leave this passage, is in the, not leave, why did God place this passage in the Bible? Why not? Why, why would we be incomplete without this particular passage? What is it about this particular passage that addresses a need in my heart? So, who, uh, who tried to rewrite the uh, lecture proposition to a sermonic proposition? All right, who want, well, who wants to give it? What did you put out? You, anybody want to volunteer their answer? We can volunteer others. Volunteer someone else's answer, yes. <laughs> want to volunteer someone else's answer? Okay, this one says, My purpose is to encourage you to pray daily. My purpose is to encourage you to pray daily. That's really good. I think that was word for word from the, from the book. Um, someone else have something uh, different? How you need to pray daily. Yeah. You need, the, key, the key ideas are you and then some sort of exhortation like must or should or ought um, to pray daily. Yeah, something like that. Anybody have anything that's close to that but not quite? Maybe you're questioning whether it counts. That would be, yeah, that'd be okay. That's borderline. You really want to say, instruct is fine. Instruct is fine. But really, you're not just instructing. So lecture is like the the realm of instruction where you're educating. Preaching is not just educating. There is parts of teaching, but in preaching or or when you're doing a lesson to other ladies, this is I think something that. I really, I really want you ladies to be strong in this because, to be completely honest, ladies' teaching lacks in this department because ladies don't get as many opportunities to preach, teach to other ladies. And so very often, ladies' teaching, just be frank, is watered down. And what I really have a heart for, and my wife and I both, both we talk about this often, I, we really want, I would love to equip our ladies in our church to be able to really bring it to the ladies, like to really like look at the text and apply real strong biblical doctrine and not just like instruct people or teach them, but really to preach to ladies about what, what they are to do. Um, you know, it's not biblically, it's not appropriate for that to happen in the, in the church service or to, uh, for, for created, created order according to the Bible. But when it comes to your instruction with other ladies or for your children and for your family, it'd be a great, great opportunity. Yeah, Absolutely. I put, I'm going to preach on the importance for each of you to spend time in prayer each day. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the seven is it, best, or what's the seven? So the problem is I think I still left it. I added a question in this from last time. I think I put, what's the, what's the quiz number? It's like 20 for 20 points. Mm-hmm. It should be 20, uh, uh, let's see here. It should be 24 points. And then the bonus is going to be another four. So out of 20, if you get it right, you could get a possible 28 out of 24. So I'm just practically giving away points. I'm just throwing them out the window. So does that make sense? So it's out of 20. It's out of 24. Yes, I want you. No, I want you to succeed. I don't want you to fail. Did you not hear my prayer? I pray that you guys would succeed. Yeah. You know what happened? Marshall said, 
sorry. Is everybody done? I'm right. And I said, oh, I better do this one. And so I wrote the, I wrote the bonus in and I forgot to go ahead and mark that out. Oh. That was the easiest one. Oh, well. That's all right. I have a question on the first one. <laughs> yep. So I thought we had to like associate it to your I wish you said that. Like, what? Like, what does associate it mean? Like, associate is like, <laughs> oh, like, I thought like, really connected. Connected. yeah, connect it, yes. To connect it with the congregation? Yeah. It says association with the text. Yeah, so like, associate what? With the text with the congregation. I don't know what that, I don't know what it means to association with the text. I don't know what that so means. I made that up. I mean, I don't know what... The, I mean, everything except the right answer, I, made, I mean, I know what illustration from the text means. Association with the text really doesn't mean anything... Like, I think I understand what you're saying. I hope that wasn't super confusing, but the... the um, I gave you a, an extra bonus. I mean, you got to give me some... Okay. The... Um, I'm trying to think here. So, association with the text... So give me your best. So what you what? How did you read that? You read that as like connecting, like, it, to connecting it to the people. So like having the text because they talk about like making sure your text. What was the other question there? Was, you're looking for help, aren't you? I mean, you're looking no, for people in your. Other question that was like. Um, Here we go. The one that was about the Bible. Okay. 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 All right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Sure. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. I'll allow it. I'm not going to. That's not what I meant, but I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I'm not going to hold it against you. I, I get it. So if you, if you put, just to be clear, if you put B on number one, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I'll correct it right in. I'll make sure the number's right. Um, so if you already filled out the number, I'll make sure it's right. Okay. Um, so what we're doing today is, is we are finishing up uh, observation. And so what we're going to do is we're going to work with you guys on your text. So uh, go open your... Oh, I have two things. My little sticky notes. Number one, um, men, you may, if you'd like, sometime this summer, we can set you up to speak on a Wednesday night, for, to preach on a Wednesday night. Now, the boys... I think already have a youth night planned, and I think you're required to preach in that because you're in this class. So, but if you guys and I think Drew was thinking possibly he might use you on the youth night too, because he's only got a couple guys here. So if you wanted to speak on the youth night camp, but if you gentlemen would like to preach uh, the message you're working on, um, I've got I've been working with Jermel Chisholm as well. He's going to be speaking this summer, some point May I think. So if you guys want to do that. Let me know. I'm not going to force you to. I'll force these boys. I'm not going to force you to, but it would be a great opportunity. And uh, the Wednesday night crowd is, is low stress. It's, you could do about 20, 25 minutes max. If you go short, no big deal. Um, if you go short, everyone will probably ask you to speak again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but think about it, okay? People want to encourage, uh, and we want, I want to develop people who can do this kind of stuff. So think about it, okay? That's number one. If you'd like to do it, just let me know, and I'll, I'll sign you up. Um, okay, so what we need to do today is take your, um, take your passage out. So look at your, I guess, I guess really look at your worksheet first, I mean your, um, your assignment sheet first. You'll notice that today what I asked you to do for exegesis work was to um, 
identify transitions in the text, changes in audience mood, perspective, and language, and uses information to help you divide the passage into logical sections or parts, mark repeated words, identify keywords, define unfamiliar words, and bring your observations to class. You'll notice that there's no boxes next to any of that, meaning that I'm not asking you to actually turn any of this in. I know some of you may be prepared to do that. That's fine, but I don't need it. It's for you to keep. But what I want you to do today, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at your text and we're going to help each other and make sure we divide this properly. So what I did was, is I gave you all, you all should have copies of your, of your Bible text. So let's go to the back and let's start with the top here. Um, does everybody have that or do you, somebody need it? You only have the girls. You not have the one from last time that I handed out? No? You don't have this text like Oh, okay. So who needs it? I can I can print I put it at the very back. It's gonna go in your appendix is where I said to put it. Not like in your literal appendix, but rather at the end of your notebook. You got, does anybody, anybody need it? I, I can, you do? Who else needs Charles. Charles, you still need it? All right, so what I'm going to do is right now I'm going to print this. Um, okay, two copies. If you don't mind. Who else needs Just two? Anybody else need one? Okay, so they're going to be on the printer. If uh, There's actually a three-hole punch, if you don't mind. Ah. Uh, It's okay. He's going to go grab it. Yeah, it's printed now. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this and um, we're going to see where you guys think that uh, Ryan ought to put his his uh, his text his markers his te text breakers. Well, Ryan, why don't you talk to us first about what you found in this passage of scripture? Why does it keep doing that? Sorry. Um, talk to us about it, um, and maybe we can also give you some help here. Uh, what did you find, and where would you put your major breaks? Uh, I put my, there are actually breaks up a lot. Okay. Verses 1 through 2 are a segment. You got um, God giving the commands for Abraham to go. And then verse 3 is Abraham prepping. Okay. And verse 4 and 5 are, is Abraham traveling. Then verses six through eight or let's start let's start with your major breaks first. Where would you define like if you had to do major breaks in the passage, you're saying there's one to two is a there's a break between two and three? Um, yeah. I mean I, you know I wouldn't have to put a break there, but it seems there's a break between the command and then Abraham preparing. Okay. And then where's the next break? Um, big break. There's, there's kind of a break between three and four. Three and four, okay. Keep going. Okay. I also broke um, after f between five and six. Okay. And then between eight and nine. Okay. Then between 12 and 13. And between 14 and 15. Okay, so... Um, if you were to preach this, and if these are major breaks, you're going to preach this, you're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. I, I don't know if these are all, these six through eight go together. 
Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which is probably not reasonable. So help us out. Where would you, y'all know the story. Where would you take Genesis 22, one through 18? Uh, did you see any other shifts or any, are you just, kind, are you kind of going, what I should ask, sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. What, what did you use to describe or to just decide when to break? I was breaking um, just from, not, not in any idea of points, but just when I saw a change in you know, the position or what they were doing. Right, so you saw a change in location or what they're doing. Right, so um, I think one to two is right. You have God, you have the setup here. This is all the setup where God is testing Abraham. Abraham responds to him, and God tells him what he's supposed to do. And then what's the next thing that happens? Abraham gets ready and goes. Abraham goes, Abraham gets ready and you could almost, I think you could combine like his preparation and his travel and even his, up until he gets to the place where the offering is. Right? Do you guys agree with that or no? What do you think? Could you legitimately go from three to eight? Because here he's at home. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men. Okay, all this. Are we talking about like the major breaks? Yeah, we're talking about like major breaks, major movements. There's like, okay, so if you imagine when you're dealing with narratives, there's times when there's, if you think of it like a movie, there's times when the, the camera cuts and then there's times when it fades to black. Okay. So there's times when it's like just uh, scene changes, but that might be still part of the larger scene. Yes, ma'am. Okay. It's a good, good question. Yes, ma'am. I would almost break it after ten because that's like you have Abraham's obedience, and then you have like God's intervention. I don't know if that's too much together. Okay. So I, um, so yeah, so three and four, they're in the wilderness, going towards the mountain. At six, they go up the mountain. And talk. This is a conversation. So up until this point, you have Abraham telling people things, but this is actual conversation here, right? My father, here am I, my son. Look the fire, the wood. Where's the lamb? My son, God will provide a lamb. So the two went together. But then there's that but, right? But Isaac. So kind of like they went together, but then Isaac spoke to Abraham, kind of interrupting the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, we just that's what we're saying here. Um, and then this is at the scene. They came to the place of where God had told him. Abraham built an altar, placed the altar, and then between between nine and, between ten and eleven, there is a that's the moment of crisis. Um. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree that I think I think six through eight probably does go together better than six through nine. I don't know. Depends on how you want to exactly want to structure it. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked behind him. There's a ram caught in a thicket. I think this is part of the part of that story there, right? 
So if we had to do major movements, let's back it up here. One and two kind of sets us up. Three and five, three to five is the preparation to the place. Six through eight is the conversation on the way up the mountain. Nine through 13 is the, the test, the major test. And then 15 through 18 is kind of your blessing. What do you think about that? Um, any other observations or uh, repeated ideas you see or things that you want to make a note of? We're going to move on to the next person in just a minute. Uh, I, just, I noticed um, it, mentioned, it mentions Isaac being a son and an only son several times. Yeah, did you notice that? Look, Okay, look at the repetition. Um, first, before, uh, let's look at repetitions. Abraham, and he said what? Here I am. Here I am. Uh, my father. Here I am. And he said, here I am I. What? My son. Okay. So look at how God describes his son. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Okay. How many ways can we describe one person? And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering in one of the mountains, which I tell you. Oh, okay. When uh, he says, take your son, your only son whom you love, God's describing Jesus, too. Right. How is Jesus described? Yeah, His only begotten only son. son. whom I love, you know. So, son. so God never asks us to do anything he wouldn't be willing to do, right? That's awesome. The, the picture here of asking him to go, his son whom he loves, what do we know about Genesis prior to Genesis 22? What do we know about Isaac that makes this more weighty? That he's the son of promise. You're right. Remember how he came about? He's the son of his old age. Son of promise. And you, it's, it's not in Scripture, but you kind of think sometimes um, that Abraham might have idolized Isaac in a way, looked to him. You know, put him above God sometimes. Mm. And so by doing this, he's making sure that perhaps that he put his his priorities straight. Are you willing to put me before your son, Isaac? Are you idolizing your son? In Hebrews, though, it talks about that. He knew because of God's promise that mm-hmm. he would have had every son Right, and that's why he says, you notice this here? This is a little interesting. We, we'll come back. we will come back to you. Okay, so he's confident something's going to happen. Um, this significant. He took the wood, laid it on Isaac, his son, right? And then he built an altar, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the what? Upon the wood. Okay, there's this, there's this reversal. He places the wood on Isaac. He takes Isaac and places him on the wood. He binds Isaac. A question I like to ask when you're doing this is, how old is Isaac? Is he, is he six? He's probably 15. What did you say? He's old enough to haul wood up a he's mountain. Old, he's old enough to haul wood up a mountain, so he's not six. He's probably 15, 20, maybe. I don't know. Now, did Christ carry the wood first, and then he was nailed to it? Right, right. Jesus carried the cross. Right. He was laid upon the wood. So, 
Right, and this I work. The only thing, the only reason I'm reining in a little bit on the comparisons to Christ at this moment is is that we're talking strictly on Genesis. We're talking. It's hard not to see it because it's all there. Okay, it's hard not to see it, but we want to be extremely disciplined. And we look at our text. We want to look at just what it's saying because we want to be very careful to observe, observe, observe. And we'll get to the connections to Christ, you know, at some point. But um, uh, the other thing. Um, uh, oh, so he's strong. So, so the binding of Isaac, why he willingly? Yeah, he submitted. He willingly submitted to his father. There, he, he, How old is Abraham at this point? Hundred something, you know. I've heard Isaac could have been maybe twenty. So Abraham yeah. could have been a hundred and ten. Yeah. hundred and twenty himself. Yeah, so yeah. Isaac could have easily overtaken Abraham. So he submitted to Abraham. And, of course, the reverse, where is the lamb? He knows what's required for burnt offering. God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, and he does just that. What's the significance of this? The ram caught in the thicket by its horns. What's the significance there? It's unblemished, right? It's caught, not caught by its... It's not, it's not caught and all cut up with its, with its, you know, its, its gut area. It's, it's in the horns, so it's still... And blemish, you have the replacement. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The word provide there is a little bit of, um, um, I think something is, is a little, there's a little better translation of that. Um, Did you see it? One of the translations that I read, it said, um, on the mount of the Lord it will be seen. Ah, there it is. So uh, the word here, the Lord will provide. Um, where am I? Here it is. Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. Okay. Yahweh, Yara. This word here, Yara, is the word for see. Um, Yara means, uh, means to see. In fact, I think I had it right there. See that? Right there. To see. Here's also means to provide. And it's like very specific text. But what, you know, it will be seen. It will be accomplished. It will be there. Okay. So obviously messianic Christ pictures there. Okay. All right. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Kevin, you're next. Um, let's look at your text. Uh, I think you're next. No. Yes, you are. Philippians 1, 19 through 30. What did you think about for division and anything you'd like to, to bring up from your observations of this text? Um, I divided it um, 19 and 20, um, one section, and then um, 21 to 26, and then 27 to 30. Okay, so 19 through 20. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer, the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now Christ may be magnified in my body, whether life or death. For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. Okay, live in the flesh. Um, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Okay, what did you notice? Any, any um, repetitions, any... Um, what are the themes of this passage? What is he talking about? Um, one repetition I noticed was life and death. He kept using those okay. words. So we have life and death here. Uh, we have to live is Christ. To die is gain. If I live in the flesh. Um, to depart, which means to die. Which he says is far better. Nevertheless, to remain. So uh, living and remaining, departing and dying are connected here. Uh, I shall remain and continue. There's to live with you all. F- Why? For your progress and joy of faith. 
with the result that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I may hear of your affairs. You stand fast one spirit. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, um, what, what kind of commands did you see in this passage? Anything? Uh, did you notice? Live for Christ. Okay. Uh, where is that? Um, like, for me to live as Christ, and then... Okay, so technically this is, this is a um, description of his mindset, right? And then um, having, the, um, the, having the same conflict which you saw in me, now hearing me, I was kind of thinking that tied back to the, for me to live as Christ. Um, Good. So the, hey, Donna, how are you? Come on in. There's a sheet on the back, I think. Oh, no, Kevin already passed him out. Yeah. The, um, to, so what I'm trying to show you here is there's two parts to Paul's letters, always. Paul's letters always have truth and exhortation. We talk about this when we do our worksheets. And you're going to really benefit from the worksheets on truth and exhortation because, because um, the way that he does it is he'll give you a lot of truth and he'll say, now, because of this, do this. So in this, he's, he's explaining something. Really, this is all explanation. He's explaining um, his hope for him to live, is, to die is gain. Um, I want you to rejoice. But notice here, okay, that's... Let your conduct be worthy. When you see the word let, that's a soft command. Okay, it's like make your conduct be worthy. Allow your conduct to be worthy. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Why? So that whether I see you, I may hear of your affairs. Um, that's kind of the only command in the whole passage that I can see. I might be wrong. Do y'all have any help here for him? Any thoughts on what he's doing, what he's saying? Is the terrified by your adversaries, like, not being terrified by your adversaries at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Yeah, that, that probably is a, is a command. He's kind of saying that, um, he, well, he really, he's saying, okay, this is where block diagramming also is going to be helpful because, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. What am I hearing? That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel, and that you're not terrified by your adversaries. That's what he wants to hear. Um, what about at the end of 29, when it says we are also to suffer for Christ? Could that be a command? Well, that's what we've been granted. It, yeah, it has been granted. Who granted it? God granted it on behalf of Christ. That you, it was given to you not only to believe, but to suffer. And what kind of suffering have in the same conflict? So really, I don't know uh, if this is truly a command. I think if you, as you diagram this, what you're going to see is, um, you're going to see it like this. Um, I may hear of your affairs. What are the affairs? That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Oh, it's going to a separate page. Hang on. And not uh, may hear 
that you stand fast and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. The hearing is kind of connected to that. Like, this is what he, he wants to, whether he comes in, whether I come and see or I'm absent, this is what he wants. That you do all this and that you're not terrified by your adversaries. So it's the, really, that all is tied up into, this is what it looks like to be living worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's kind of your main, your main thing. All right, Pat, let's look at you. Any other questions, by the way, for, for Kevin or any other thoughts for Kevin? Before we move on to Pat. Pat, give us some thoughts on your passage. So what are some themes you picked up, some repeated words, etc.? Well, we are told to stand, stand, stand. You can't yeah. fight unless you're standing. You can't, a, fighter, a warrior cannot um, fight if he's laying down. Uh, we're told to take up, take this, take the helmet, take the shield, take the armor. Those are many commands. Take this. Be strong yeah. in the Lord. So um, We're told to pray, supplication. I was going to do this. Let me do this for, for uh, Kevin's too. So if you go back to Philippians 1 for just a second, um, I'll come back to you, Pat, in a second. Philippians 1, 19 through 30. Um, I have a cool little thing I can do here because I, I, I have Greek on my computer that I can um, search and stuff. One of the things I can do is I can actually say, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to search the Greek. I'm going to search for a verb that's an imperative. And I'm going to make it in the book of Philippians, or Philippians 1, 19 through 30. And there it is. There's only one. That's what we pointed at. Let it be. Let your conduct be. And actually that word, look at that word. That's an important word. And if I were you, I would, I would do a word study on that word. Politeuestha. Politician. It comes from the word polis, which means city. It means be a good citizen. Live as a citizen. Conduct yourself. That is a very, very important word when you think about Roman citizenship. Okay, now, now to, uh, uh, to Ephesians 6. Let's do the same thing with Ephesians 6. What do, what do you have again? 6, um, 10 through 20? 20. How many imperatives do you think we have here? We have five verses with five imperatives. Be strong, put on the armor, take up, stand, take up. Okay. Those are technical imperatives. There probably is other, are other things in there as well. But um, um, Go ahead, Pat. What else? Um, we're, we're told to be watchful. I mean, there's a lot of commands in this yeah. verses. Where's that watchful? At the very end, um, 18, being watchful to this end without perseverance. Got it. So here, that's interesting because I, I, I think that um, uh, as you do your, your block diagramming, you'll find, I believe, what he's saying here. Now, I could be wrong. Probably am, but... Uh, praying always, how? With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, how? Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I think that's describing how you pray. Um, and so... Well, supplication is a humble prayer or to ask for. Good. Perseverance is sticking to a purpose. Right. And, um, 
You know, he Good. asked for us to pray for all the saints and for himself as well. Good. I mean, here's a man in prison saying, please help me so I could continue to preach the gospel. So what are your major breaks? Um, after, right before 13, so 10 through 12. Okay. And then from there on, um, from the next break will be after 17. So 13 to 17. There's actually just three, four breaks. Three breaks, four sections. One, two, what's after 18? 18, 18, 18. I'm gonna, the next break will be 19. 18 is its own section. Okay. And then it moves on to where he's saying, pray for me as well. Mm -hmm. I'm a prisoner in chains. So there's actually three breaks, four sections. Okay. I would encourage you to look. So he, the praying part, he's asking to pray, like you said here. I think the end for me is, is also part of the object of prayer, right? You see that in verse 19? Yes. So I don't, I don't know if I'd make that a whole section, personally. I think I might. Make a break after 18. I don't think so. I think what he's saying is... Um, pray for me also. Yeah, he's like, pray, pray for... Uh, what did I do wrong here? Hang on. There it is. He's saying, um, praying always, how, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints and for me too. You're praying for the saints. You're praying for me. The utterance may be given to what am I, What are you praying for? Well, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel and describing the gospel here for which I'm ambassador in chains. Um that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So it's all about, here's Paul, this guy who you think of as super bold, and he's like, I need you to pray that I'll be bold to speak because I'm, I'm having to dress up in the armor too. Yeah. So basically two breaks. I would think two breaks, three sections. Okay. Yeah. Charles, 1 John 1, 5. I want to get through everybody if we can. Okay. Through 2, 2. What, what do you, uh, give, me, give us some thoughts or some repeated ideas or whatever, and then... I think that a little broader context would probably make it more sense from a sermon standpoint. Uh, the first four verses are, uh, are an introductory uh, statement. First of all, uh, John establishing his uh, eyewitness authority. Right. These things that we have heard, he is an eyewitness to the entire uh, ministry of Christ. Uh, and so he's. I think I've read the whole read the whole book again in uh, verse four. He says, "These things we write to you that your joy may be full." At first, I was thinking that maybe that would be his um, his purpose statement for the context that that follows, but it's probably more than its purpose statement for the whole book. I agree, yeah. Um, so you've got this you've got this overall these five chapters for which everything that he and he covers a lot of different territory, but following through with all those different ideas he has of avoiding worldliness, loving the Lord, loving the brother. Um, and then he ends with uh, keep your, the very last thing he says is keep yourself from idols. Mm. Um, so uh, all of those things fit into the context of having fullness of joy as a follower of Jesus Christ. Good. And so 
the first um, the first part of that formula for having fullness of joy is this idea of fellowship with the Lord. And he lays forth the conditions for that fellowship, and he lays forth the conditions that would violate that fellowship. Right. And so he has all these these uh, contrasts in here, light versus darkness. Um, lying and telling the truth, or walking in the truth, or Good. being a liar. So there, there's quite a few of those in this in this passage in the first chapter. And but he, he has also in the second chapter it goes a little it goes really beyond verse two. Um, it's almost parenthetical, it seems that he says that Christ is our advocate. Um, well, that's not really parenthetical. He's, he's our advocate because if we sin, we have uh, one that will uh, stand yeah. alongside of us to uh, to forgive us our sins. And he's the, com the propitiation, the complete satisfaction right. uh, in God's sight. And then, then he goes back and seems to repeat, uh, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, and we know that we are in him. And then uh, he introduces a, a, a new word here, abides in him. And that's, um, that's kind of the, probably I think the end of that context. Sure. So I would say, Maybe a, a couple sentences of the introduction, the first four verses, and then continuing right through chapter two, verse six, would probably be maybe a better. So you want to go? You want to back it up a little bit? So one four. You want to back up your your uh, passage and be able to preach on like what you said one four to two six. Yeah. Okay, and if you preach on one four two six. Um, what would you say are the um, major breaks, and then we need to um, okay. keep moving? Just give me a give me a quick rundown here. Okay, walking in the in the light, verse five. These are um, conditions for fellowship. Okay. With the Lord, and then the solution to what breaks our fellowship is to confess our sins. Okay. And so that would be one through, uh, eight. I mean, four through eight, mm -hmm. and then nine. Right. Through. Probably through uh, <clears throat> chapter two. Yeah, two, two. One of the things that stood out to me immediately, and as many times as I read this book, and I guess maybe it's the philosopher apologist in me, says, "By this, we know that we know." <laughs> we know that we know. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, though, if um, epistemology, right? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if if eight, nine, and ten. Eight really through two, two don't go together because eight and ten are so similar. You know, different different results. We say we don't have a sin, we deceive ourselves here, right. versus we make God a liar, right? 
Um, but uh, it sounds like you got a good grip on it. I'll trust you to make a good call on that. I um, do you if you want. This might this might be good. There's a lot here, and in First John is notoriously difficult to outline. So if you want some time, we can just sit down and talk. Maybe that would be the best yeah. option for that. But, thing, I guess one thing that popped out to me I was looking at that um, I hadn't noticed before, and that's back in, uh, I think it's verse 6. It says, um, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I look up that word fully expecting it to be proso. Mm, it's no, it's poyo. Yeah, poyo. <laughs> to do the truth, yeah. Yeah. So, that was a, a surprise. But it kind of goes yeah. with uh, 3.9 also. Yeah, poyo, poyo is to do or make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. single act. Yeah. Thank you. Donna? Um, do you have you thought about your text and division of your text? Good. And he, um, he basically starts out with how we are to view trials. And um, and I, I don't know if this is the proper way to say it, but the purpose of trials. Okay. Um, and, you know, what it, would, what it will do. And so that takes you through like verse 4, right? Yeah. And then how to handle them. Okay. You know, what do you do? And then he contrasts. Someone that does rely on God versus someone who doesn't. So with the major movements of this passage, would you say two through what? Two through four? Two through five? Uh, Is there a break in between two to seven? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I um, sort of broke it. I mean, I, I broke up two and um, like how you view it, and then there's the but at verse 4. Yeah. So I sort of broke it up there. Okay. And, um, I mean, I don't know if I broke this up correctly. I put it into different things, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be easy. Let me just kind of help you out here. I think I think 5 is a is a good break yeah, because... Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, and, and 6 kind of flows from 5, and seven flows from six, and eight flows from that. So, if anything, I think I think something like that, like two, three, and four go together, and then five, six, and seven go together, okay. is probably the best way to think about it. That's how I would do it if I were you. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get through as many people as we can before we run out of time. Derek, what you what you got for your? your ju- we're not going to read through your passage. <laughs> um, so I broke this into. I could break it into four sections. Of, uh, for now, I just broke it into three. Okay. So one through sixteen. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar um, has his dream. He calls in all of his, you know, magicians, astrologers to try and interpret his dream. Um, and then verse seventeen is when Daniel goes to his house to talk to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and to ask to, for God to reveal the dream to him. Oh, so the break is after fifteen or after sixteen? After sixteen. After 16 okay. So breaks. And then from 17 through 23 is yep. the second section. Okay. And then it breaks, uh, let's see here. Um, and then it breaks again <clears throat> for, uh, on verse 24. That's when Daniel goes back to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar to interpret the dream. Okay. 
And I, just, and I just had it going for the rest of the chapter. I could technically break it probably again, uh, verse 46, because um, that's after he interprets it. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, I haven't. So the, I may in the future. Yeah, I, I think you might have a, cu- a couple too many here. I think you could... Um, you obviously have the, the opening, right, where... Where uh, the dream, who knows, nobody knows, oh, Daniel might know, does Daniel, you know, whoa, whoa, hang on, Daniel says, don't kill anybody else, let me, I can tell you, then he goes to bed, and he, he blesses the Lord, and he says, I will tell the king interpretation. I almost think you could do like, like 1 through 24 as one big movement. Almost, yeah. I mean, there are movements within it, and you're right, like 17, like 1 through 16, 17 through whatever. Like, there are definite movements yeah, there. Because 16 is when he asked the king for time. So when you think about it, it's... And he goes and leaves to go to his house. Right. I thought maybe that was a good break right there. Yeah, but there's a lot of momentum there in the story. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, um, at least the way I see it, you have like Daniel who has this, there's this moment of like, oh, what's going to happen? And then Daniel says, uh, or they say, oh, Daniel. And they go run, get Daniel. And then you have this moment where Daniel's brought before the king and then Daniel's before, it's almost like, geographic changes. So you have all the scene before the, you could almost do it that way. So yeah, kind so of strike in reverse. Oh, I, know. So I was kind of thinking yeah. like the scenes in a movie was like, he's at the palace, palace and he goes to his house, house then comes back to the palace. So that's three, yeah. three so movements, sections. three seconds. Exactly. I think that's probably yeah. the more so, I think so about that's kind of where I broke it on those three different spots. But you had, you had like this break, uh, so that's that's the break from 16 to 17. Cause that's when he leaves. Nebuchadnezzar to go to his house. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. His company, you know, companions. Okay, yeah. And then, he, and then I broke it again um, on verse 24, because then that's when he comes back. Yeah. To God, God, I had something, I had something, I had something dropped in there. I want to take that out. Okay, yeah, that, that works fine. You're right. That's good. That's good. There are a bunch of different ways. You, I like, I like that. Yeah, you're right. Good job. Well done. Any, anything else? Uh, I know we're over time. Um, let's try to get through everybody's just break, major breaks, then we'll discuss. I'm sorry we didn't get to as much of you guys on the. I got caught up talking about other things, so sorry. Um, I really like I really like Genesis 22. If you didn't catch on to that, um, your breaks. Um, I did between. Well, I have a question, I guess, because yeah. on verse 14, the beginning is telling him to go, but then like near the end, it's telling him that he's arrived. And Shechem, so okay. can I break it in between in the middle of that verse or not? So I guess looking at it, I had broken it up like right before it said that he had arrived. Where is that? What verse is that? Uh, 14. Okay. And he went to Shechem? Yes. Because he's leaving, but then he's arriving all in the same verse. So I guess if I'm doing a change of scenery, location then yeah can i just break it right after right before it says like when joseph arrived at yeah and then keep it there until verse 17 the the thing is that really um there's not a whole i mean i, I don't i think you could even flow that together i don't know if you need to necessarily break it like there is a there is a change in geography but it's like even here he's like on the he's like journeying towards shechem right it's, it's not like he was doing anything before he went to Shechem. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for yeah. example, in Derek's story, there was a thing going on yeah. before the scene shifts. Here it's like he's starting here. He's on his way. So yeah. 
I don't know if you want to make that a big break or not. I mean, you could. It's not like against the rules or anything. But um, so after he gets there, what's the big first big thing that happens? I mean, just then he goes to Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Right, so they're, he's getting redirected, mm -hmm. and then they see him afar off, verse 18. Did you have that as a break? Something yeah. in verse 18? Good. Um, you have this little scene with Reuben in there. That's kind of a sub-scene. Did you see that as a... As a yeah, I didn't break that. Okay, that's, that's a good choice, yeah. I that together, and I basically kept it together until the end. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. And then verse 31 really is kind of a... Because they took Joseph's tunic, they killed the ghosts, dipped it, they brought it to their father. So there, there's the shift in again in geography. So, okay. So I, if there's a break, I think 18 to 20 or 30 is probably a good section. Something like that. Okay, Wendy? Um, so my over, um, overarching race. I have, well, it's a little um, confusing, I guess, because like I have like one through five is like practical. Mm -hmm. But that five, verse five is kind of like a transition. Because I have, it's practical because there's that therefore in verse one, which is talking mm -hmm. about the verses prior. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin's sermon. <laughs> And then, um, and then it changes perspective, talking about Christ. So, like, that verse 5 is kind of like a transition. I guess it can probably go. But it also has that word let, which... Which we already heard. Four also have let. Yeah. Um, so I have that. that um, so I guess I kind of... I was going to do, like, 1 through 5 as, like, the practical... Then. I think what you're looking at, honestly, is 5 is kind of an illustration of 1 through 4. So yeah, one, the lets, I was yeah. The this is the mind. Let this mind be. That was a good. That's a good call normally, mm -hmm. but in this situation, what he's saying is, let this mind. What's the kind of mind? The one we described. Mm -hmm. Same love, being one, one accord, one mind. He was in Christ Jesus. Who? And now he goes off on this tangent. Right about yeah the, about Christ. And then verse twelve is kind of your next break, right? Twelve and thirteen. Well, I actually have nine. Nine. Well, it's that continuing exalting because it's first talking about how Christ is humble, humbled and, and exalted. And then we go back to practical from 12 to 13. Yeah. So I say 1 through 4, 5 through 11, 12 and 13. 5 through 11? That's what I would say, yeah. Because your exaltation and humiliation is connected. Okay. Yeah. Rachel? Uh, so I did between 2 and 3, and then maybe between 5 and 6, between 7 and 8. Between 5 and 6. Okay, yeah. And then between seven and eight? Yeah. I wonder if there, if you really should break between two and three, though. Just think about it. Did you say break between two and three? You did, right? It, you you don't have to necessarily because that could all be part of one big idea there. It could be. I don't know. I have to study it some more. But it looks like it could be because the way he says it before an occasion on cleanness and covetousness let it not be named among you. It's kind of like that 
how we are dedicating our body. Often the Bible talks about our purity is dedicating ourselves to God as a way of living out our relationship to God and holiness. Okay, we've got two more. we got this, guys. Cadence, so sorry for keeping you late. One through three, four through seven, eight through nine, and then I didn't know if I should separate ten or do eight through ten. Eight through ten. Yeah. One through, so she says one through three, But God is, oh good, yeah. But God is rich in mercy, and it ends, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Okay, mercy and grace, and his kindness towards us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And good. Should I separate 10 from 8 and 9? Mm. No. I don't think so, because he's talking about good works. It's not through works you're saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are created for good works. There's your repeated idea thing there. Any, any questions on that? Does that make sense? Yeah. You got it? I'm sorry, you guys. Abby. Okay, so I had one through three, um, four through seven, eight through nine, 11 through 12, and then 13. Eight through nine, eight through 10? Eight, I, yes, eight through 10. 11 through 12, mm-hmm. and 13. Yeah, the only thing you might want to do is you might want to get rid of this one right here because the description of love here, mm-hmm. 4 through 10 is kind of a... It, 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 definitely there's a break between 7 and 8, but you have to decide, if that, is that a major break or is that a minor break? Okay. Is that like, is that like as, as big as a main point or is that like a... Or can I put both of those together? I think if you study, you'll probably find those two can, are both describing what love is and what love does. Versus the first is describing something else, and then after that. So, you know, these, this is doing something very different than that is. This is not doing something super different than that is. Like, let me just say this one last thing. This is an important point. There definitely is a break here. Bear, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will fail. Tongues, they will cease. Okay, different. However, what it's functionally doing is very similar. At the beginning, what this is describing, what this is doing is it's talking, I'm going to give you a hint, it's talking about the value of love, right? how valuable love is. And here it's describing what love is. And in describing what love is, it gives two different ways of describing what love is. These are not that different from one another, even though in, in function, even though they are different in how they do it. So in that case, I, if I were you, I would group these together as a point. Okay. Thank you guys for your extra time tonight. I hope this is a little bit helpful as even we hear other people's stuff. Um, next time, you turn in your block diagram. We talked about it last week, uh, how to do that. If you have questions, email me. I'd be glad to help you. I'd be glad to get on the phone with you and walk you through it. You guys got it. Good job.